it's not just our, in our imagination. Yeah. We are being told that our busyness is a badge and that it is a status marker. So we are falling in that trap and yet we don't have to, because why did we create our own businesses? Why are we founders? Why are we creating yes. new infrastructure? Yes, exactly. So we don't have to work hard, right? <laughs> I'm Sonia Statman, and you're listening to Women in the Business Arena. Over the last 20 years, I've had the honor of working with thousands of women in business. During that time, I have been obsessed with finding a new way to operate business, one that eliminates hustle, supports ease, aligns with our values, and gives us a sustainable pathway to change the world. This podcast shares with you some of the lessons I've learned along the way. The conversations we have here are intimate, honest, and enlightening. It's like hanging out with friends who also happen to be pretty amazing business owners. Here we challenge what the world says business has to be to trailblaze a path of our own. Are you ready? Here we go. Hi, and welcome back to Women in the Business Arena. I'm so excited about this season because we are busting business myths. And I am blessed to have my regular co-host and our mental health guru, Laura Shook Guzman, on the show today. And really for today's episode, we wanted to bust the myth that we all kind of feel, even though on a conscious level, sometimes we say, oh no, we don't believe in this. On an unconscious level, we're constantly fulfilling it. And this is this idea that the reason we're not succeeding in business is we're just not working hard enough, right? If we just work a little harder, if we just do a little more, if we just are out there pounding the pavement a bit more, doing a little bit more marketing, doing a little bit more content, if we're just not lazy, that somehow business success will just unfold. What do you think, Laura? I think this is a big one, and I do think that it operates unconsciously for a lot of people um, because it's been a part of our dominant culture. You know, this bootstrap, I mean, the American dream, right, is perpetuated around this idea that if you just work hard enough, anybody can do it. There's so many problems, like from an intersectional perspective, too. It's like there are definitely not equal access and opportunity. And it's not just about someone magically working harder until the end results. And I think the problem with this one is that it is very damaging to someone's sense of self, their self-esteem, their confidence, because they will begin to personalize their inability to make it happen when they're just working and working and working. And they're going to say, well, I'm working really hard, so it must be me. Yes. And I think that's the that's the important thing to recognize is that sometimes this doesn't operate consciously. We're out there saying all the right things. We're out there talking about self-care. We're out there talking about, you know, how we know it's not just about hustling in order to have a successful business, but the way we're operating is that if we just worked a little harder, if we just did a little more, if we just had more actions, we would get more results. And it is very embedded into our society. It's very embedded into the masculine, the patriarchal frameworks, and definitely business. Yes, yes. And, you know, it impacts so many aspects because 
when we are thinking that we just need to work harder, then we are not always doing the best energy management that we need to be doing to create sustainable businesses. So instead of feeling like we can close shop and we can say, do not disturb, I'm away on vacation or I, it's the weekend, it kind of creates that need to work around the clock. It creates this drive for that hustle at all cost culture because women are not feeling that they can show up rested if they're like supposed to be looking like they're working hard and they have to keep working hard, right? So I think that so many of the things that we talk about on this show that we've talked about in the past can be traced to this myth. Yes, I agree. And I think, you know, often this comes into what we've talked about before in some of our podcasts where, you know, it's like this badge that we wear, this hustle badge, this working hard badge, you know, so someone's like, how are you doing today? And you're like, you know, I'm good, but I'm working really hard, especially if it's another business peer, right? Like somebody else who were sort of is also in business. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm working really hard. I've been, you know, doing all the things. I'm like, like, it's almost like we perpetuate it by believing that there's some value, there's some praise to be had, there's some, you know, validation in the fact that we've been working hard. And that sets up a whole process that is not in our best benefits in business. Absolutely. I actually read something really interesting about um, someone looked at this as a status marker in their research to understand like, what is it that, why do we think of busyness as a status marker? And they discovered that in the past, there were kind of, the status was leisure. A lot of times, like if somebody was not working, if they had time to go and sit and visit or go to the country club or whatever it was that the this is patriarchy. So it was probably the men sitting around. If they were in more leisure, they were assumed to be wealthy. Right. And in this day and time, if you are leisurely, if you say, I don't really have anything going on, I'm having just amazing weekend. I just worked a couple of hours and now I'm done that people assume you were not wealthy. When you say that you're working around the clock or you're busy or you've got so many projects on the go or you have so many, oh, so many people need me, that it's because there's this need to show the importance of our, of our minds. Like I'm in such hot demand. My knowledge work is so important <laughs> that everyone wants me. So I'm just so busy. And so that busyness has become a marker of wealth. Yeah. And <laughs> people then, that's why they're doing it in a way we don't even know unconsciously, it's like, oh, I'm so busy because we want to look important. We want to look like everybody wants our brain. Everybody wants to work with us. We're in such hot demand. And yet when they looked at other countries, I'm thinking Italy was one of them. So when they looked in in Italy, it's still still leisure time. So if someone is, is saying they have all this spare time, then Italians will say, oh, that person must be wealthy. But if they're busy, they think, oh, that person's working to make money. So they are, you know, not as well off. So it's really, really interesting. I find that kind of a geek out on those types of studies because it's not just our, in our imagination. Yeah. We are being told that our busyness is a badge and that it is a status marker. So we are falling in that trap and yet we don't have to, because why did we create our own businesses? 
why are we founders? Why are we creating yes. new infrastructure? Yes, exactly. So we don't have to work hard, right? <laughs> and, you know, I think it's really interesting to talk about, you know, what you're describing as well in terms of, you know, not only is it a marker of our wealth, you know, in different, you know, cultures, it's a marker of our worth, right? You know, so if we look at, you know, I'm working hard, therefore I'm valuable, therefore I'm validated, you know, then that also becomes this marker of worth. And I think for women, we're conditioned to be busy, right? If we're not busy with our work, we're conditioned to be busy domestically, busy with the kids, busy. Like there's this whole thing about, you know, women really working hard in a number of areas, for quite a long time now, right? I mean, I was just thinking about this picture popped into my head like the 50s housewife, you know, as they were starting to have machinery and things to wash, laundry. You know, you kind of have this image of like, you know, that white 50s housewife and, you know, obviously a little bit more well-off, middle class, upper class, who doesn't have much to do and she hangs around and does nothing, right? So many of us now, like so many women now don't want to be seen as that, don't want to have the image of that, right? We're And so we're working hard to be validated in a different way. So that's still that stretch to be validated, right? And instead of, you know, being validated for who we are or our care or our genius or how we think even, we're validated by how much we work. I love the points you're making right here. The working all the time and always behind the scenes. Women work a lot to prove, and I'm using air quotes here, our value. And it's often underpaid work, overlooked work, right? So this needing to, to work in order to get recognition or be able to seen as valuable, yet that's not often the case when you're just working and working and working on this hamster wheel in which you're not getting that recognition. But to your point, we have been conditioned to sort of accept that, you know, like, well, that's just how it is. I just work, 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 and maybe I'll get some acknowledgement, but it's not really expected. And I think it's fair to say that most men would not work at the level that we work without recognition. Yes. I I'm yes. going to throw my husband under the bus here, honey. Sorry, but <laughs> it happens with us. Like where he will do something that is very helpful. And we are really actually closely starting to approach a more 50-50 balance in our household. And it's been beautiful. And it's because a lot of changes in our, we're both remote. We're both sharing in domestic childcare duties more evenly. However, I notice he will do something and then really expect to be acknowledged, <laughs> you know, to be like, well, I did dinner all week long, you know? And I'm like, really? Wow. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I've been doing dinner all week long for the last 10 years. <laughs> exactly. So just so much that just happens because I'm doing it and I don't expect that anyone's going to turn around and it's great when they do, but he really then turns back around and is kind of looking, you know, where is this recognition? And I think it's because for men, they are conditioned often that that happens. So when they pick up any, the, you know, and we hear women complain about this with um, dads that are staying home is this, oh, wow, I can't believe that you're staying home and you're taking care of your child. And then the woman's like, uh, hello, like, where's, where are we not getting that same <laughs> accolades? So that's to your point of there's a conditioning 
around even what we do is not always validated. And then we don't realize the worth. We don't realize the value of what we're contributing. And then second, I love this, that time period of the fifties to look at that through a feminist <laughs> lens. It's fascinating because it was a story that was told to women that they were going to be more valuable at home, a lot more productive, and they were going to have all this free time. But in the end, what it did was it just raised the marker. It just raised the expectation because if that washer and dryer was doing the laundry, then what else could you be doing to perfect the home? And so again, just so much that women, we now then have started internally raising that bar and thinking if we do more, if we work harder, if we do, then we'll be perfect, air quotes. We will be worth enough. We will be valuable. Our business will be successful. So I think we're really talking about unpacking a lot of internalized beliefs around what it's like to be productive and what it's like to be a woman whose work is often invisible and often undervalued. Yes. And the thing about it is when we understand that the core of this working hard enough or we're not working hard enough is the unworthy thinking, right? When we really get that, when we really unpack that, it shifts and changes how we can operate in our business, right? When we're aware that that this is indoctrination, that this is the way the world works, that this is also what we personally have internalized, we can shift it. We can stop looking at, oh, I'm a failure because I haven't worked hard enough and start looking at more strategically, what are the simple actions I can do to succeed in my business? What are the streamlined actions? Where should I really invest my time and effort versus what I see people doing a lot in business is just running on a rat wheel, really hoping like something I do is going to work, right? I'm just, I'm just out there running, I'm just out there doing, I'm out there producing, I'm out there doing, I'm working hard, I'm working hard. See, I'm working hard, I'm working hard. And there's no slowing down to evaluate what's working and not working. There's no strategy anywhere, right? There's just like get actions done. Just do what someone tells me. Just do what everyone else is doing. And there's not really that pause, that space, you know, that permission even because we're we're so busy trying to validate ourselves that we don't have that permission to sit back and be like, okay, what's really working and not working? You know, I think that that's a real game changer when we just slow down enough to be like, okay, let's just, let's, let's have some strategy here. Let's, let's look more, you know, creatively and critically at what is going to make my business successful. Absolutely. Yes. Because if we can't ever stop and reflect, then we're really missing out on so many aspects of, you know, what that reflection can bring, you know, this ability to pivot to get more clear, you know, if you're just going and going and going and not stopping, then you're most likely missing a lot of information and you're not managing your own energy. And again, this comes back to like your sustainability. I feel like this was a huge part of my experience with the co-working space that was always, you know, hospitality-based, customer service-oriented for health and wellness practitioners so I thought that it would be easier, like that, that everyone would get like, we're a wellness culture. So it's okay to pause. It's okay to take breaks, but it would still get met with pushback often when I would set boundaries around my, how open and how available and, you know, because this expectation. So 
it yeah. is something that is really important that we acknowledge it takes your commitment to yourself to say, I'm going to reclaim my worth through slowing down. I'm going to reclaim rest as a virtue, as a business virtue. I love that. Rather than allowing people to make me feel less valuable when I slow down. Yes. Reclaim rest as a business virtue. <laughs> yes. That's a slogan. We should all, we should be using that. I mean, yes. Right. Like I've heard a lot recently about these um, kind of form of resistances, like napping is a form of resistance or resting is a form of resistance, you know? So I agree that in this sort of patriarchal dominated business world, you know, the ability to slow down, the ability to take care of ourselves, to prioritize ourselves, to create space, that is a form of resistance against what we don't value, right? Like, you know, and I think sometimes when you were talking, it made me think about this, that sometimes we perpetuate the things that we're misaligned with. Like, we don't want to have to feel you know, like we're never working hard enough or we're not good enough or we're a failure or we're lazy, right? That's something I hear a lot that if I slow down or if I'm not, if I'm not succeeding, it's because I'm lazy, right? That's indoctrination completely. So, but sometimes not only do we do that to ourselves, we do that to other women in the business world, right? When they start slowing down, we're like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you working hard enough? Or when we are buying something from them, we're like, why aren't you available to do exactly what I want whenever I want? Like, what, what are you talking about? You don't work on weekends. Like I, I'm paying you, you know, like we don't realize how sometimes we perpetuate these things. And, and we are the ones that has to step back and stop the, the systems and the frameworks that are not supporting us, right? And, and I promise you, you know, having this concept that you're just not working hard enough, that in no way serves you, right? And I've had debates before with a few clients who are like, but doesn't it serve me to say that to myself so that I don't get lazy, so that I don't, you know, not accomplish anything? I'm like, no, it never serves you to believe that you're not working hard enough. Not ever. Exactly. Because it never serves you to have an inner critic in your head. Yeah. It never serves you to be critical of yourself. Yeah. So using self-flagellation as a motivator is actually creating the exact opposite. And this, of course, is where you love, where you know I love to bring in the neuroscience because what we know, and Kristen Neff, who's a researcher at University of Texas, has studied this from a self-compassion lens, is that when we are self-compassionate, which means we're kind to ourselves, we have inner dialogue that's supportive that might say, you know what, we've been working really hard, we just launched, it's, it's totally fine to rest, let's set a boundary, take a mental health day and put an autoresponder on my email. You deserve that. You've worked hard enough. Let's rest. That is a very self-compassionate voice and your brain will release more oxytocin, which is a good hormone. It's a love hormone. And we are capable of influencing our brain chemistry in that way by being gentle and using those words versus a self-critical thought releases cortisol, which is the stress hormone, because the body is perceiving that something is wrong and that we need to do something about it. So it tries to prepare itself for a threat or for action. 
And so you're just actually flooding your system with more stress hormones by telling yourself you're not working hard enough. And that's a self-sabotage there. You're not actually getting, you're not setting yourself up for that level of support that you really need to be able to get to the next thing. Yes. And so often, you know, as we talked about in the very first sort of myth busting that we did this season, it has nothing to do with your worth. Like your business success has nothing to do with your worth. And I think the more that we can understand that, and it's at the core of so many of the ideas we have about business success or business failure, but our worth is just not even a factor. On a realistic basis, if we're looking at business, there's a lot of variables there and none of them have to do with your worth. And this is that another sort of like thread or another tree or another branch, if you will, of that idea that it has something to do with our worth. It's connected to our worth because we just think if we were working hard enough, if we were just putting in a little more time and effort, if we weren't distracted, if we weren't tired, if we weren't, you know, like we think of ourselves as being inhuman and, you know, super people and we should just be a little bit better. But it's just that's not the case at all. That's not the factor. And so there are a lot of other variables that we could be looking at actually and improving if we had our attention on them versus on how bad we are, how wrong we are, what a failure we are. Like that sabotages our success and doesn't let us get off the ground or make the changes that we need to make to succeed. Yes, 100%. And something that you, I just want to say, I really agree that you said earlier is that we are owning our own value and we are also giving that appreciation, that recognition to other women when we see them slow down. And this ability to not just be doing that, but giving it, right? The giving and the receiving and, and witnessing and encouraging. And like, there's just so much that we can be doing that supports our own shift, our own mindset shift by seeing anyone else out there that's doing it and in recognizing and, and acknowledging it. And I want to also just bring an intersectional lens again to, you know, just name that, and this is really hard for me as a white woman, as a, you know, heteronormative white woman, I'm still challenged by slowing down and still have a hard time giving myself permission at times. Easier now that I've been working on it for, you know, probably 10 years, but women of color, like that's even harder because they've even more had to experience that expectation that they cannot rest. And I know that the NAP ministry, I think that is one of the movements that's leading the whole thing around rest as a form of resistance to patriarchy. Yep. So I just want to name that, that I get that it's hard and I'm a white woman. So it's even more difficult if you have any different marginal identities and women of color. It's something, so I want to say that we all have a social responsibility. I think we have an individual commitment to ourselves that we can make to honor that and then to really raise other women up and have these conversations that we're having now too, so that when you see it happening, you can say to that woman, like, I see you and you just inspired me that you're taking that time off. Or I love how you incorporate rest as a business virtue. And I can see that on your website, you know, just really like how do we acknowledge the different experiences that we all have and yet understand that collective experience that we also share. 
Yes, I love that. And thanks, Laura, because I think being able to look at things more intersectionally is really important. And, you know, it is different, right? Like, it is hard as a white woman to, you know, rest and to take that time and that care. And we have a level of privilege that other people don't have and other women don't have. And so I think it's really important to address that and and talk about those things. And it's even more indoctrination depending on you know, the root of where people came from. I was just thinking about, I just got finished watching In the Heights, which is a really great, you know, movie. If you see the movie or it was a Broadway show before that. And, you know, it's all about immigrants. It's all about, you know, the people that are here and they're working so hard and there's all this, you know, it's they even have a different level of indoctrination around what it takes to succeed, around, you know, this idea that to live the dream, like we've all been so conditioned, especially in America and it's in other cultures as well, right? All sort of white dominated cultures. But I think in America, especially we have this, this idea that there's this dream if we work hard enough, if you do everything right if you put in all your time if you do the perfect steps that someday you'll reach anything you want it's like it sets us up for failure in a way right believing in that and so we can talk about on a bigger level on America and like you know having the things that America promises but even in the business world I think that sets us up for failure that core belief because then it's like well I didn't do something perfect or, oh, I missed a step when there's just so many variables, right? As a business owner, you're having to always shift things and move with things and embrace new things. And there's all these variables that are happening all the time. And that's part of the exciting part of being a business owner. And I think if we have this idea that, you know, if we just do things right, if we just work hard enough, then we'll we'll reach some pinnacle state of business and that it just doesn't work. Mm. It's not a truth. Absolutely. And especially like you were saying, when you hear a family story, so there's the, we're talk, we've been talking about the, the dominant culture and then there's the family story that's also... Mm-hmm. And really important. And so for people who are a first generation um, American citizen, where they're hearing a story of we've done everything to sacrifice so that you get to be here and you get to work hard, that's very hard for that person to take breaks because they're working, they hear that they're caring for their family's legacy. So it can be more challenging if they're saying, well, I can't afford to rest, you know? everyone did this for me. So I have to keep going and keep going. This is where we have to start to understand the biology and the psychology of the human body that we don't actually produce more when we're exhausted. And yet it's very hard when you're working two or three side hustles, you know, to try to make that entrepreneurial dream a reality. You know, there's definitely stressors and realities that we have to acknowledge yet what I'm inviting people to think about instead of just kind of like, Oh, I I can't do that. That's a luxury. I can't afford or privilege. I don't have to think, are there five minutes a day that I could start to take for myself? If I do nothing right now for myself, what if I just took five? What if it was just allowing myself to close my eyes and rest or walk in the park for a few minutes or go, you know, look at something a view that I love to look at, you know, there's so many things that don't cost money that are about just slowing down and being present. And what could happen if five minutes a day 
was a new goal, you know, for the person who never takes one second to think about that and to give themselves a deep breath. Yeah. I love baby steps and small practices, right? Yes. And I think we also, you know, also just to address the logic mind that is happening. You know, a lot of people, just like you said, are like, well, that's nice, but I can't afford to do that. Or that's nice, but, you know, I don't have that luxury. The thing is, is that on a practical business level, when you're just working hard and you're not really evaluating and being strategic and smart, you know, like the phrase, work smarter, not harder, right? Like if you aren't being more strategic, then a lot of what you are doing is wasted. I mean, I've been teaching this to my clients for decades, right? How to run a business that is easier, that is less energy and less effort. And that's because a lot of times when we're working hard, we're not accomplishing the things that actually bring results. And so, you know, I've done a lot of work with clients where I've had them evaluate. I've had them actually assess what they're spending time on, right? So they write down everything they're spending time on. And then I look at, okay, and with everything that you're spending time on, where are the results coming from? So if you actually pinpoint where every client you've ever gotten has come from, where did they actually come from? And, you know, pretty much nine out of 10 people, 95% of their clients came from something that they spend no time on. And the, the other 5% might be where they spend like 99% of their time. And so, we're really not being smart, like just working harder and, you know, putting in actions and doing things and filling our time, it doesn't produce results. And so there is a very logical and practical reason that we're talking about slowing down. So there's the psychology of it and there's the emotional piece of it that we have to sort of unpack and, and integrate our story, right? We each have a story about why we should be working hard. We have reference points about, you know, who works hard. I mean, my dad was an entrepreneur. I watched him work hard his whole life. Work hard, play hard. That's how he used to talk, right? And so that was my reference point. I had to really unpack that. So there's a lot of psychological pieces we have to unpack. But on a very practical business side as well, you have to be more strategic and allow yourself the space to evaluate what's working and not working so that your actions have impact and your actions get result, not that just you're creating yes. action. Yeah, such a good point and misunderstood in, in so many ways because there is some kind of relief that we have in staying busy that we're like, look at me, I'm busy. So something's going to come from this. And yeah. you feel like you can pat yourself on the back of, oh, I've done all these things. But if you've expended all that energy, not on strategy and tasks that actually bring you your ideal client or help you move your business to that next level, then it's really just not worth all of that energy that you expended. And so to your point, being strategic, where do I put in the least amount of energy yeah. to get the best, the most results? Yeah. And it's really interesting that flip because we don't trust that. Effort. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's interesting because a lot of times we talk about ROI, right? Return on investment. So we're focused on the, the amount we're investing to get a return. But I like to look at return on effort, 
right? So what's the return we're actually getting on the effort we're putting in? And I think, you know, they're similar in a way, but there's a whole different lens when you're really looking at the effort you're putting in. Because I see a lot of women in their business putting in a lot of effort in the wrong direction or in things that aren't producing any results for them. And then they just, they're like, but I'm working so hard. Why isn't it working? It has to be me. When really it's that they're just not doing Doing the right actions. And that's not because they're a failure or something's wrong with them or they're not worthy, right? It's because A, we haven't been taught a lot of very, you know, important business things. People make lots and lots of money for feeding you marketing tactics that you should be doing. Like they make lots of money on keeping you busy, (laughs) right? And then you're busy in the wrong direction. So then you have to spend more money to get help on that. Like there's there's a whole kind of um, machine going that continues to perpetuate some of these myths. And so we do have to get really honest to unpack what's happening in ourselves, honest to look out in the world and see how this machine is running, right? And then we have to choose what we want. I mean, if you really want to work hard, if you want to, you know, work as hard as you possibly can, that's awesome. Like, go for it. But if you really don't want to work hard, there is like some really powerful strategies and ways to be able to streamline the effort that you put in so you get a lot more results. Yes. And that simplicity is so important and misunderstood like simple systems really starting with your foundational pieces and just being like okay how do I bring it back to basics I'm actually doing that for July um, on my other company women who co-work is that we're bringing it back to basics and we are actually just pausing for the month of July and we've told our members like we are pausing on programming for the month of July so that we can work on bringing everything back and get really simple. Like we want things to get simple for you as well. And it's really interesting how you can't have that perspective when you're just moving forward a hundred miles an hour. And so I'm looking forward to a month of a pause button. And most people will tell you, you can't do it. You know, like you can't pause, like you're in the middle of all these subscriptions and you got all these things. And I'm like, nope, there's a way you can be creative and you let people know what to expect. And in this situation, I'm letting all my customers know this is because I want to build something like my business partner and I want to build something better for you all. And we have to take a, a moment to work on that. So that's what's going to happen. And I think we're afraid of taking those breaks with client service, expecting things from us. So being strategic about your work, being strategic about how you pause, being intentional and clearly communicating that what is the value? What is the value that I'm creating? What is the value that I hold about myself and my worth? And I think that just the more that we can be transparent about that, the more that people respect what we're doing. And we actually may maintain customer relationships longer, right? Because we're saying, I just need to slow down or I need to restructure. So I just kind of want to put a little plug in for that, that it's okay to shift things up, get back to your basics, get simple, whatever you need to do in order to be able to build this in a little bit more regularly in, in your ongoing business model. 
Yeah. Look, simple is everything. And in fact, Laura and I did a really good um, five-part series on having a simple and streamlined business so that we did that last year. So that's a great one to go back to. But it is like we can dramatically like simplify our businesses. And what happens is it's actually more impact. I mean, I really teach my clients that you know, there are things you can do that are a lot smaller in terms of effort for you, but a lot more impactful in terms of the experience the client has. So that's like even in delivery, oftentimes we're giving so many things because we think that that is of more value. But in all honesty, giving something that's very specific and you're genius and very actually little effort for you has such a better return to the client that they feel better taken care of, they feel like they're getting more impact. They'll get better results by less rather than more. So I think that's a really important thing to note. And same with like, you know, the sales and marketing process. So much of what we're doing, you know, in the complication of our marketing gets no results. And trust me, I've seen it time and time again. I challenge you to look at all the actions you're spending on marketing and really get clear at how much of that is bringing back the return that you want. Whereas, you know, like right now I have a bunch of clients going through my sales and marketing course and they're so shocked at how like the process that they have to do in order to get sales because it's so much simpler than they thought because they've been spending so much time in content and in things that brought them no clients and now they can do very like targeted and strategic steps to be able to bring back clients a lot more easily so there is this huge benefit to really slowing down and simplifying and it is more impact it's more impact for you and it's more impact for all the lives you touch. Yes. And that is just part of that myth, yeah. right? It's just a part of that where we just are thinking that that can't be possible. You couldn't possibly slow down and simplify and still make the money that we need to make or still see the growth in our business. And I think just this is inspiring for me to, to talk about again, you know, and I can talk about it over and over and over because it is reprogramming yeah. that part of us that just really wants to go full throttle. And I think for me, it's over the last 10 years, I've gotten better at catching myself, you know, and seeing myself go into that pattern. I've also learned to be more comfortable expressing that this is a value if I'm working with other people on projects, like slowing it down and, and naming the value that I feel is important. And that's been a little bit scary because I assume like that they will think that I'm just not all in or I'm not hustling, you know, for them. Right. So I have to really work with that fear of disappointing others, yep. which goes into another topic. Right. But it's like that yeah. being able to say, actually, no, I believe in this so much. And I want, I want us to try it. I want you to listen to why. I think that it would be best if we don't rush this or we slow this down or we do it a little bit more simply. People really value and appreciate it. And so I think we just have to understand what is the root cause in our lives that's causing us to believe that it's just that we're not working hard enough and then unpack that so that we can make a different, more deliberate choice, right? Because we're often just running from those psychological, unconscious, wounding fears and thoughts. Um, and it's really just about being able to bring it back to, you know, what do I want? What do I want to create? I love this topic. All right. Well, I think this is a great place to wrap up. 
So thank you all for joining us and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Today's topic was centered around the myths that we buy into that are rooted in unworthy thinking. Laura and I have started a new coaching event in The Collective, one of my many amazing events that we have in our community, and I'm so excited about it. We unpack the ways that your thinking limits your success, derails your financial freedom, and stops you from being the light you were born to be. Want to learn more? Just visit worthywomencollective.com. And if you want more goodies from Women in the Business Arena podcast, be sure to visit womeninthebusinessarena.com. I've done some pretty cool special collections lately you'll definitely want to check out. So until next time, take care of yourself and thank you for being you. Thank you.